In this episode, I sit down with Daniel Thomas Hind to talk about Evolution Eat and why you need to embrace a better diet. Get ready, because you are now listening to Tiny Leaps. Big change. Big change. another episode of Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, where I share simple strategies you can use to get more out of your life. My name is Greg Clunas, and in this episode, I have got the founder of Evolution Eat. His name is Daniel Thomas Hind. He is an expert on how to improve your eating habits, how to get a better relationship with food. And that is a topic that you know I'm all about because it's something I've struggled a lot with in my life. So without further ado, Daniel, how are you doing today, man? Greg, it is a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm great. How are you? Doing super, super well. Um, So to kick things off, tell us a little bit about what Evolution Eat is and more importantly, what is the the, larger mission? Why did you do this? Yeah, thank you for thank you for asking. So, um, Evolution Eat is a it's a transformational diet and lifestyle coaching company. Over the past over the past five years, I've um, I specialize in helping you know workaholics, high performers across multiple backgrounds and disciplines, just become more productive at work and more fulfilled in life. And that's like an interesting way to talk about diet, but, um, but that's the sort of work we do. We do deep coaching for people who are really ready to once and for all make a change in their lives. And we specialize in working with people who are just overwhelmed with like how to get this whole dieting thing right, or who know what to eat, but for some reason can't seem to put it all together or put it all in place. And so we focus way more on, um, on the mindset and the habits, the the rituals, the, and the emotional dependencies of eating far more than we do on like, here's your diet plan. Good luck, which is what 99% of this industry focuses on giving you the plan. And then, you know, assuming that, that, that that's all you need. But really when you look, look at the equation, your diet is just one piece of the puzzle of living a healthy life and choosing healthily. There's so much more that influences our decision-making than simply what, like than simply what the diet itself says to eat. And that's what I'm fascinated by. Um, and that's the, and, and that's those, that's, that's the work that we, uh, that's the work that we pioneer. Okay. So, um, if we were to jump into just some quick, like value content here, uh, what have you found in your, your years of doing this is let's say the top three things that is really causing the the biggest issues for people. Sure. So, um, so number one, we treat the process of healthy eating as a skill that you develop and practice over time versus a goal that you accomplish, which is what most people 
set out to do when they say that they're going to change their diet, right? They say they come from a perspective typically of, I need to lose weight or I don't feel good or, or I think that I need to lose weight or, or whatever. And then they say, okay, I'm going to now go on a diet to accomplish that goal. And they may very well accomplish that goal. Uh, most people don't, but some might. And, uh, and what they miss along that process is the actual, um, is actually learning how to implement this in your day-to-day life, how to learn the skill of showing up for yourself um, and making choices that support who you are. And along the way, they'll make, instead, what they'll do is they'll make choices that, um, that sacrifice learning in order to accomplish the goal. So, for example, if you're dieting, you typically undereat, overtrain, and like learn how to basically hate the process versus learn how to adopt this into a way of being. So this is why I say that this is a skill that you develop and practice, just like if you were learning how to play the piano, for example, or, or develop any other skill that gives you what you want out of life. This can't be about being about setting it really tough standards and then being perfect on day one, the process of learning is all about making mistakes and then investing in those mistakes and immersing yourself in an entire context and world of development that goes well beyond the task at hand. So skill development over goal setting is like number one. And there's so much baked into that regarding like how people approach dieting, the mentality of dieting, the the mindset, the emotional impact that it has on people that I'll I'll pause and see if you want to go down that path at all. Yeah. So I'd love to um, get number two and number three and then sort of jump deeper into number one. Sure. So uh, skill development over goal setting. What can you, can you, uh, can you frame the question again? Just so I remember exactly what I'm answering. Yeah, sure. So, uh, basically just what are the, the top three things that you've noticed in your experience are really keeping people stuck? Mm. Gotcha. So, okay. So number one would be that most people approach their diets as a goal that they accomplish, not a, um, not a skill that they have developed. Number two would be, um, Okay. Number two would be, we are all by nature, emotional beings, and we make choices that are based from our emotions. So most of us are emotional eaters and we just don't think of it that way. And what does that mean? That means that we typically make choices that either relieve pain or, uh, or to seek pleasure, right? Which is why food, uh, ubiquitous as it is, is so simple to abuse because it's, it's, it's literally everywhere and you can get your, you know, your packaged drug of choice at any grocery store or any convenience store or now with, you know, with hundreds of apps on any app and have it delivered to you immediately. So we're emotional beings and we make choices that support how we're feeling, which is usually in order to like, uh, relieve pain or to seek pleasure. And we've mistakenly, uh, given food, um, we've mistakenly misapplied food's context and meaning in our life, like where it is something to satisfy our emotional needs, our emotional needs versus, um, something that energizes us and makes us 
um, and, and, and makes us feel strong and stable and sturdy, right? So that would be number two. Baked into that number three would be that food is addicting, right? Food is, addicti- is addicting and many of us are addicted to it, especially the kinds that we wish that we weren't eating so much. And, you know, like billions of dollars are pumped into an industry to engineer foods to make you addicted. So it's not even your fault. It's literally designed that way. And when you combine that with the fact that we're emotional eaters and that food is everywhere and it's the most innocuous and or at least most socially accepted would be a better way of putting it. We tend to use that over, um, drugs and alcohol and other, other abuses, although those are of course rampant too, but because it's everywhere and it's culturally accepted and it's in fact culturally pushed on you, um, it's really easy to be addicted, but nobody wants to call it that because addiction is a really scary word. But if you find yourself constantly reaching for sugar when you have no intention of actually doing it, or if anytime you go up to the coffee machine and there's like a donut or chocolates or whatever next to it, and you literally reach for it without having any like any idea why that's happening. That's a form of addiction. But again, we don't like we don't want to call it that because that sounds really scary and that makes us have to look at ourselves. So, um, so that would be uh, that would be it. And then the 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 fourth bit would be that a lot of these issues develop um, from childhood and the way that we were taught to like be kind to ourselves or how to spend time with ourselves and or what's culturally pushed at us, like how our families relate to all this sort of stuff and either how you as a kid do or don't relate to loneliness or, um, how you, yeah, how you do or don't relate to loneliness or, um, coming back to the emotional piece, like how you spend time with yourself and take care of yourself. And, And again, because food is so ubiquitous, it becomes part of that at a very early age. And with the marketing, it's pushed at you so much, so much, so much. And, you know, fast food growing up, I can't, I, I remember loving going to McDonald's waiting for like either the new beanie baby or they played the monopoly game and it just, they get you hooked from such a young age. So of course, when you, when you grow up that way, um, and you've developed that relationship with food and then you mistakenly think that dieting is the way to solve it, where you're like restricting yourself and depriving yourself, you're setting yourself up for, for, you're setting yourself up for failure. And it's really sad because so many people deal with this and or suffer from it on a daily basis. I mean, millions and millions of people and, um, and don't know how to go about it. And yet they, they want the quick fix, right? So they want the quick fix. They don't, they're not willing or, or don't even know the, they're not either, they're either not willing to go there or don't know the questions to ask, um, to make the leap, the transition, the transformation that, um, that they really need in order for this to become a way of life, a way of being. So yeah, I could talk, I could go on forever. So those are the, those are the major pieces. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. And I think something you said in there really stuck out to me as uh, just something I've actually been noticing a lot around uh, my office and, and just every job I've been at really um, food and especially unhealthy food really is kind of baked into culture. 
Uh, I mean, every office party is likely a, a pizza party and, and every uh, Friday is a donut day. And like you have all of these things that for whatever reason, as a culture, that is what we we use as celebration. Um, and and it, I remember noticing it. Uh, I was doing, uh, I think I was trying out the like ketogenic or, or something like that. And um, I remember when I was doing it, like it, it forced me to just sort of be more aware of what was going on in my office. And I just noticed week after week, like month after month, like here's pizza, here's donuts, here's like it, these really crazy sandwiches, like all this stuff that um, I couldn't participate in. And so like, I was much more aware of it. Uh, and and it just struck me like, why is that? Like, why do you think that it's so deeply baked into the culture? Oh, that's a, that's a loaded question. It's a good question. I wish I had the answer for that, man. You know, part of it is because the, the least healthiest foods for us are the most easily reproducible, which means that they're the cheap, they're, they're the cheapest. Uh, right? right. And so that's part of it. You know, uh, anything that has a high content of sugar and fat combined, um, is likely engineered. If you look at nature, there are no, there are very few, if any natural foods that have very high fat and very high, uh, sugar content. Um, the closest would be like an avocado that has that has some carbohydrates and and, and and a high quality of fat. That's like the that's really it that combines both that I can certainly that I can think of off the top of my head. It's just not um, it's just not found. So and, and the, the combination of the two makes us really want it, like really really want it. Because evolutionarily speaking, it's the short term energy fix and the long term energy fix. So our bodies are primed to want both, and when they're mm -hmm. both there together, plus with the smells, I mean, literally like all these smells and the salt content as well, it's a triple threat. It's like ugh, it's just yeah. it's your like you go into primal mode, and th those animalistic parts of your brain get activated that turn your more developed human parts off. They go so, so they get triggered. And it's really hard to make decisions from that place, especially if you're not then asking yourself these sort of questions and really doing deep work like this to, to transform requires doing the deep work, looking at your life and why you keep using how you're using food and why you're using food, mm -hmm. um, in the way that you are. And I'm happy to share some of my story as well, because I think it, I think, I think it really applies to a lot of people and, or you could, there's certainly some takeaways. No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd love to, to dive into that. Support for this episode comes from Health IQ. Health IQ is an insurance company that helps health conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. Now, here's something cool. Did you know that physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, 20% lower risk of cancer, and a 58% lower risk of diabetes compared to people who are inactive? Duh. Of course, being healthy is going to decrease your risk of getting certain diseases. That just makes sense, right? Honestly, I don't think I'm surprising anyone with that info. So then if you're putting in all this work to be healthy, why shouldn't you be rewarded for it with lower rates on your life insurance? 
That's part of why Health IQ was founded, and 56% of their customers save between 4 and 33% on the price of their life insurance just for being healthy. How cool is that? Finally, a company that actually recognizes you and your hard work. So to see if you qualify, head over to www.healthiq.com slash tiny leaps. That's www.healthiq.com slash tiny leaps. Head over there, get your free quote, or just give them a call. Let them know that tiny leaps sent you. That website again is www.healthiq.com slash tiny leaps. Support for this episode comes from Podcast Movement. Listen, you've been listening to this show for two years now, and over that time period, you've definitely at least considered starting your own podcast, right? Then you need to be at Podcast Movement this year. Podcast Movement is the world's largest gathering of new and veteran podcasters or anyone looking to start their own podcast the right way. Join over 2,000 podcasters from around the world in Philadelphia this July 23rd through 26th for three days of workshops, panels, parties, and way, way more. At Podcast Movement, you'll learn from the best, but more importantly, you'll get to meet some of your favorite podcasters and make lifelong connections that will be invaluable throughout your own podcasting journey. I've gotten so, so much from attending podcasting conferences, and I just know you guys are going to love this event. So for $50 off your ticket, just head over to www.podcastmovement.com and enter Tiny Leaps at at checkout. That's www.podcastmovement.com and enter Tiny Leaps at checkout. This is a must-attend event even if you're only curious about starting a show. So head over to www.podcastmovement.com right now and enter Tiny Leaps at checkout. I grew up, uh, I grew up a fat kid. They called me, you know, the, the word was actually husky. I went to a Catholic school growing up and we had uniforms and I'll never forget the day that my teacher on his first grade, she called me to the front of the room. We all had to pick up our uniforms and they called out everybody's sizes and they go, you know, like Kathy, small, Nicholas, medium. And then they go, Daniel Husky, which is like, Oh, <laughs> thank you. Like just in case I didn't already know that I was a little overweight, like you're going to call it out to everybody. Um, <laughs> Like, and by the way, in case anybody's curious, Husky is not a size. It's, it's not a size, but, um, apparently, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. So, so, you know, you grow up with that understanding of yourself and that really shaped who, how I identified with myself and like what was and wasn't possible and what, uh, what was and wasn't, uh, what I was and wasn't capable of. And, you know, the, why did I grow up Husky? Well, because I was obsessed with food. I grew up in an Italian household in which um, food was pushed at me from every angle. I was an only child and my mother, God bless her, she loved me to death, oversaturated me with love and food became part of that equation. So like only child, 
lots of food, uh, a sign of, uh, of love. It became quickly a sign of reward. So like if I did well at school, which is basically my, my personal contract with my parents do well at school, get, get, get rewards. And the reward that I would choose over and over and over again was different food. Like I love McDonald's, love fast food. That became part of it. Um, and both my parents worked. So I had a lot of time to spend by myself and engage and like basically being with myself, food became part of that equation. So food became fun. It became friend. It became this dependable thing that I could count on to make me feel something. And I, and I'm and like that idea, food being a dependable friend or counterpart or emotional relief, emotional reward that you can count on day after day, no matter what, that is something that we all take with us. And I, of course, didn't know this at the time or even for many years, but later on in my life uh, during college, I started exercising intensely, like seven days a week intensely. And I, uh, I lost weight, but I still didn't look or certainly feel as good as I thought I should, given the amount of work that I was putting in. And it wasn't until after I graduated from Georgetown that I discovered the paleo diet, which was life-changing for me and is a version of what we mostly talk about and promote at Evolution Eat, although uh, we can get into that. I don't actually promote any one specific diet. It's really about helping you fall in love with your diet, like the one that you actually care about and want to take with you for the rest of your life. It doesn't have to be uh, dogmatic or principled in it or so principled if that's not important to you but there are tenets of the paleo diet that mm. strip you know stripping away processed sugars and refined carbohydrates and inflammatory foods like gluten and most dairy etc um, i just never heard about that until i literally read about it until the book was was staring at me in the face and um I felt so good after trying it for a month it was the first time in my life that um that anything other than like drugs or alcohol could make me feel so good internally. Right. That I was like, Holy shit. Uh, this is, this is actual medicine. You hear, you know, food be thy medicine and all those, those cliches, but I was actually experiencing myself with that. I was like, wow. Okay. So I, I, so I adopted it fully and I got, I started to geek out on it and I just became a, it became a way to identify with myself and to express myself out in the world. Like I started to really enjoy going food shopping and putting meals together. It became an expression of who I was just like, um, for example, if I was learning how to play the piano, right, the piano becomes an expression of who you are, which is why you want to keep practicing and showing up. So that I noticed and there was that piece in place, but I, even despite all that, and even despite like kind of even obsessing about it at times, the, the whole paleo thing, I noticed that I would still abuse food every once in a while. I not like a binge eater, but uh, I would have nights where I would binge and, or where the second that I go off plan a little bit, I would start to play these like amazing mind games with myself where I would, where I would reason myself into, okay, I had like a piece of bread at dinner. Therefore I should order an right. entire pizza from Domino's and then get ice cream. Right. Like, and just like that negative cascade effect where you yeah, go from who you are. Right. And then it just cast, right, it cascades down into this whole other place. And then there's like the, the days of judgment after that and the self-loathing and then the trying to make up for it with either like exercising yourself to death or starving yourself or whatever. So I noticed that that was still in me, even though, 
I loved eating clean and healthy and loved how it made me feel and just like love geeking out on it and all of it. And I started to get curious about why that was combine that with other happenings in my life where people started asking me to coach them. Cause they were like, Hey, you, you've been doing paleo for two years now. How did you keep that up? I've only ever been able to diet for like two or three months. And then I end up going back to, to normal, you know, quote unquote normal. So uh, all of that made me start to really look into all of this. And it's, it's, it's that we use food. So there's, so there's the things that I, that I, that I talked about before that dieting doesn't work. It only makes the problem worse. Right. We're emotional eaters and we use food to make us feel something. And it's a very dependable feeling, right? In the short term, we can depend on it to make us feel something and we use it to get an emotional reward, either to relieve pain or to um, receive pleasure. Uh, and then baked into that is that food is addicting. And so we're often uh, reaching for it without our even realizing it. And then when we do like, when we do choose unhealthily, we then convince ourselves that we've right, already lost cycle. it for the day and therefore, right. Might as well just keep, keep screwing up, keep, keep yeah. like, keep going down that path. Yeah. And it becomes this very deeply entrenched and, um, and circuitous thing that feeds on itself. And it's, it's a lot, right? It's a lot. Sure. Most people don't think about all those elements at play. So as you were, um, for, for, in your experience, as you were navigating this journey yourself, uh, where did, and, and I want to take this back to that point, number one, where did this concept of, uh, skill versus, uh, what do you say? Skill versus practice? skill versus goal accomplishment. Most right. people think that they're going on a diet is like a goal that they accomplish, which would then presume that once they accomplish the goal, they can kind of like forget about it. Right. <laughs> right? Like where it's, whereas no, it's a skill that you continue to develop over, over your entire life. Right. If you want to make this real, it's a skill that you have to develop. So I, this, this I uncovered through my, just through my being a coach, like when I first started coaching, I had a sense of all this and I had an interest in you know, human psychology and I studied all of this for, you know, for, for years myself. But, um, at first I just was like selling basic nutrition and, and diet plans. And then I, I would sell my service as an accountability service where I'm keeping you accountable. But like through the practice of coaching, I developed my method and I realized that all these things that I had noticed within myself for years and years and years, that this was abundantly apparent within all my clients. And in order to actually make the, the breakthroughs that they desired in their lives, we had to go way deeper than just, can you, or can't you follow these instructions and can I hold you accountable? Like it's only going to be real for you if you actually start to develop uh, a new relationship with food and the way that you show up for yourself in general, healthily, powerfully, um, and all the stuff that's getting in the way of that. So I just, I, I wish I had like a clean answer for how I came up with that concept, but it started to dawn on me that this is a lifelong practice. Like in order to be successful, this will have to be a lifelong practice. And I just noticed what the, how that which how that translates in other skills that one acquires and like the that process towards mastery which got me fascinated because i love studying mm -hmm. masters at their crafts and there are like a few obvious overlaps in all of their stories which is like they typically have a mentor or a teacher or a coach right or whatever that 
that they have to hold themselves accountable to at first in order to just keep showing up and start training these new habits, creating these new habits and then training them. And it also requires that level of feedback, like immediate feedback so that you're learning something, applying it and learning it. Just like when you learn how to play the piano, if you're sitting down and you don't know how to play, well, you're going to press a bunch of keys and you're going to keep messing up and then you're going to get the feedback of your of your instructor and you're going to, you're going to, you would have to invest in those mistakes in order to improve, right? Mm -hmm. Versus dieters who typically hide and feel shameful and don't speak about it. They don't make themselves vulnerable or exposed at all. They just pretend that it's not happening and let those mistakes actually, um, validate why they suck and why they can't do it. Whereas if you actually want to learn something, you have to say, okay, shit, this keeps happening. What's going on? I need to double down on this and actually look deeply into where those mistakes are as learning opportunities to do something about it. Right. Right. So then, then there are other elements you have to go, you know, go home and study, read the sheet music, uh, come back, practice, go back and forth, back and forth, gain the feedback, keep putting your hands on the, on the keys, put them up and down over and over and over again, repeat, repeat, repeat. And then you, what, what's also true is that you have to start making choices in life that support practice saying no to Xbox and yes to the piano, right? Saying no to your friends and saying yes to going back to practice. So you have to then make bigger macro lifestyle choices that support your getting better. And the key distinction between anybody who, you know, between the the 60 year old who's performing in front of a massive audience and the kid who stops playing in high school because they don't have to do the requirement any longer is that the 60 year old falls in love with the process of practicing and they don't view effort as a bad thing. They view it as something they view it as an expression of themselves and something that they want to spend and a way in which they spend time with themselves productively. Right. And that's, that's it. (laughs) If you think if you relate to your diet that way, you'll always be able, anytime you make a mistake, it's all good because that's just part of it. And it's not like, Oh, now I'm off the plan or let me start over again. It's like, no, you can't, you can't start life over. You're already in it. So this is an opportunity to maybe find out something about yourself. This is an opportunity to double down on it if this is important. And really, this is an opportunity for you to approach this process of getting healthy, of losing weight, if that's, what, if that's what's important to you, um, from a longer-term perspective of this is going to be a lifelong process and, there, and a practice that I develop over time versus this thing that I'm giving myself three months to accomplish. And if I don't, I suck. And if I do, you know, I probably stress myself so much to get there that the likelihood of me keeping it is very low. Right. Which is how almost everybody does it because the rates of recidivism are like 95%, if not higher. Right. Right. So I actually love this concept of, uh, treating, your your health journey, your relationship with food, uh, almost in the same way that you would treat gaining any skill, right? Like if if somebody listening to this really wanted to become a graphic designer, they would never fail once at it and then say, okay, well, I guess I'm done. Uh, like that, that wouldn't happen. And in the same way, like if you really want to cut 20 pounds or you really want to uh, put on an enormous amount of muscle or you really want to do whatever your fitness and nutrition goal is, uh, it, it's absurd to screw up once and then just stop. Like that doesn't make much sense. Um, so I love, I love that relationship that you're breaking down here. Um, and I, I love the larger concept of 
let's fall in love with the process of it. Let's fall in love with how we we learn that skill. So I would love as we wrap up here for you to break down just your top advice around how we can start to love that, how we can start to fall in love with it. Definitely, definitely. So um, number one, I think most people psych themselves out from the get-go. And a lot of people who are listening to this might be like, wow, that's a cool concept. But then they'll still like want to lose weight as quickly as possible. And that's fine. I feel you. If I have a lot, if there were times in my life where I had a lot of weight to lose and I of course you want to get there as as quickly as you can because you just want to feel really good about yourself. But to treat this with the idea of the long-term in mind, um, with like to actually practice with the long-term in mind. So what does that mean? Instead of going about it like most people do in which they'll set themselves impossible standards, which they might be able to like meet for a certain defined period of time. Let's do it the opposite. Let's, instead of restrict and deprive and overexert yourself, let's just focus on the basics and getting those right. The basics of, of loving your relationship with food, loving your diet and loving the way that you feel about yourself is making, uh, clean is making clean and healthy choices, right? So let's focus on the choices that you're making versus, um, the place that you want to get to. You'll get you'll lose the weight that you need to if you're consistently making healthy choice after healthy choice after healthy choice. So there's like a few pieces involved in that. So rather than restricting yourself and eating too little at first, practice the habit of making healthy choices. So there are, um, I say to my clients at the beginning, especially like, let's just eat enough of the good stuff. We want to develop a positive and healthy relationship with food in which you're actually looking forward to it and not dreading it. Right. So especially if you're going to like start cleaning out and, uh, removing processed sugars and, and processed grains and, and all of that, that's, that alone could be really unsettling for somebody. So if you combine that with, eating too little of it, you're just sending your, you're going to be starving and you're craving. And when you're hungry, you crave things even more intensely. So when you remove sugar, you're going to crave it a little bit. And if you're hungry in, uh, in addition to it, you're going to, you're just going to go nuts. It's going to feel very uncomfortable. So we want to make sure to eat as much of the good stuff as possible. So like even eating more of the healthy fats and the proteins and the veggies more than you might even need so that you are feeling full and you're relating to yourself as I'm giving my body what it needs. I'm not forcing this. I'm giving my body what it needs. I don't have to hate this process in order to be successful. The beautiful thing is that over time, if you do that for a few weeks in a row, nobody ever thinks about this or even knows about it, but your body will naturally come to start wanting less food as a result. Because one, your sugar cravings have subsided dramatically. You'll have evened out your blood sugar levels, stabilized your blood sugar levels, which will naturally make you feel less hungry. And then you'll, you'll naturally come to want to eat less of the food. So, and if you're trained the choice, uh, train the habit of making healthy, positive choices, then you've now established a baseline of showing up for yourself by getting a good breakfast, a good lunch, and a good dinner every day. And you can iterate from there, right? If those are already in place, then we can make more informed and empowered decisions if we need to. Like, okay, I'm, um, I've got a good foundation in place and now I want to, now I want to 
cut uh, carbohydrates from like 150 calories or 150 grams to 75 grams, right? Like I can do that when I've already established a baseline. Um, and I can, and I can do that when I'm giving myself enough proteins and fats and fibers, vegetables that make me feel full. So that's one. Another way that you can like track this is by instead of stepping on the scale every morning, you can track the number of choices, positive choices that you make per week and then study that trend. So for example, uh, if there are three meals per day and you give yourself an opportunity to have a snack, which for anybody who's like cutting sugar, uh, I, I would definitely encourage that sort of thing to, to, to have a uh, room in the middle of the afternoon when you typically feel very tired for a good, healthy snack. Um, so that's four opportunities. Those are four eating windows per day, right? Four opportunities to choose something healthy per day times that by seven. That's a week of choices. By the end of the week, how many choices did you consider good and healthy? How many were you over or under? How many, right? And then we can start to study trends. If you find yourself consistently making unhealthy choices in the middle of the day, then that tells me, Daniel, a few things. One, you're probably not eating enough at lunch, first and foremost, because you're like hungry and or you're tired and you're looking for food. Um, or it tells you something else about like, maybe you need to go for a walk and get the payoff that you're looking for with food with something else. Most people just eat because they're bored and they could do something else that would like is something as simple as going for a five minute walk or calling a friend or listening to a podcast or whatever your favorite song. It doesn't even matter most of the time, but like there are things that we can do that give us the reward, the emotional payoff that we're looking for that have nothing to do with eating. And, um, those are then become habits that we can start working on and implementing. Um, I'm going to pause and I, cause I could keep talking forever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is that, this is yeah. thing. I'll let you run as long as you, you <laughs> want to give free info, but um, yeah. I, I want to respect yeah. your time. So I just want to say thank you so much for all of this. Like there is, there's so much amazing content here and I want to give the listeners a chance to connect with you further and, and just pick your brain, learn from you, have you as their sensei. How can they do that? Oh man. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, this is, so, I have so much fun talking about this and I really, I, I, I appreciate you. I just appreciate you, um, connecting with the message because I think it's so freaking important and I don't think it has to be so hard, but we just have to start looking at it from a different Absolutely. perspective. So, um, so for anybody who wants to engage with me, you can, um, my company is called evolutioneat.com. We have a, we, we are, we're a coaching company. That's what we do. Uh, that's the only thing that we do. You can either work with me one-on-one or we have a six month uh, transformational coaching program, which is my entire method. Um, just broken down into four main components. You have a community, you have uh, a coach in me, you have weekly habits that you are working on. So here's one thing that I, I really want to encourage people as well. Instead of trying to get everything right all at once, um, instead of trying to play Mozart on day one, remember this is a process. And what we do with our program is we have you work on one habit at a time, lock that in, master it, and then move on. And the point is that over six months, you've literally changed your life week after week after week, having mastered very simple habits that feel so easy to master that it's almost as if I want people to ask themselves, am I doing enough? 
Because if you do that week after week after week after week and you iterate upon them, then after six months, you look back and you say, oh my God, my entire life is different. It's transformed my lifestyle and the way that I show up for myself. And that's something that we, we highly, like, man, we do, we encourage, but. See, that's um, what we in the business call tiny leaps leading to big changes. That's exactly why I'm on your <laughs> podcast, man. That's it. Right. But everybody wants to be able to play Mozart on day one or play Jimi Hendrix. And then they can, and they go, well, screw this. I, I might as well not do it. Right. So uh, our messages are very much in, uh, in alignment. And, um, and for anybody who wants to just geek out with me, uh, I, I would normally never do this, but for, for, for your listeners, uh, just, you can send me an email directly, just say, um, heard you on Greg's podcast or, you know, put the name of the podcast in the subject line and either I or my assistant will find that email and we can just have a conversation around it. This is so important. I spend all my days talking about it. I love talking about it. And I love, and I know that everybody's situation, there are overlaps, but everybody's situation is different. And, um, and it's also really hard to be vulnerable, vulnerable about these things. I, I get that. So if you want to talk, just reach out. I'd love to support you and hear what's going on for you. And what's your email? Daniel at evolutioneat.com. Perfect. So that's evolutioneat.com. Check out their programs, check out their content. They are doing incredible stuff. Uh, and also because he's a dope dude, send him an email, just say what's up, see what he's doing, see how you can support him, see how he can support you. This is Daniel at evolutioneat.com. So again, Daniel, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for all of this. This is going to really impact a lot of listeners lives. And I really appreciate you being so open. And with that said, thank you for taking the time to listen for sharing your time with us. If you have not already click that subscribe button, it's the best way to make sure you never miss a new episode that have amazing guests just like Daniel and uh, visit his website evolutioneat.com sending send him an email daniel at evolutioneat.com. And remember, that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day. Every day. Every day.